Hi, friends. This is Dan here. Before we get into our most uh, recent episode here, or our new episode, I should say, uh, we have something from our Corrections and Omissions Department. Uh, last episode, we talked about the Bruce Springsteen album Born to Run, and over the course of that conversation, I called Springsteen on Broadway a jukebox musical. It is not a jukebox musical. Uh, it was actually Bruce Springsteen doing a residency on Broadway, and basically it was a, a one-man show in which Springsteen told stories and played songs. Uh, and thankfully, one of our listeners brought this to our attention. So, so we appreciate that, and, um, and and we try to prepare as best as we can for these for these episodes. Um, but from time to time, because this is just a lively conversation between two guys who like music, we might get something not quite right or forget to give give you guys the right context. So, um, thank you to our listener for pointing that out, um, Dan. Is there a way, if listeners are hearing things that they want to comment on, good or bad, and a way that they should reach out to us? Why, yes, Joe, there is. Uh, this uh, was brought to attention uh, by one of our listeners in a uh, private message, but uh, we encourage you to make this a conversation on social media um, by hitting us up on Instagram or Twitter at Brothers in Song. And without further ado, on with the show. I'm Joe, and I have a master's degree in music. I'm his brother, Dan, and I'm a self-taught musician. We've both listened to thousands of hours of music over the years, but somehow certain well-known and influential albums have eluded us. In other words, we definitely should have heard these by now. Today, we cross one more album off our list and give you our thoughts and impressions. This is Brothers in Song. Hey, Joe, how's it going? I'm doing well, Danny. How are you? Uh, as of now, very well. Um, we're recording this during a, a three-day weekend. Uh, I've got my whiskey soda. I'm talking music with my brother. So uh, life is good at the moment. That sounds perfect. I have I have a nice, nice little IPA that I am enjoying. Um, I did have to work today, so I, I don't get the benefit of the three-day weekend. But it's the weekend now, and that's all that matters. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so leading up to today's show, I was kind of thinking about, you know, how you or how anyone kind of develops as a musician and uh, what factors play a part along the way. And then I started thinking about music teachers. And I think that musicians and all kinds of creative people at some point receive uh, guidance or inspiration from teachers along the way. Uh, someone who sees something in you or encourages you to keep going during a frustrating period. Um, Stephen Sondheim, who you mentioned in our in our uh, episode last week, had uh, Oscar Hammerstein, so that worked out well for him. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about a teacher or teachers that you think were important to your development as a as a musician. So uh, sure. what teachers were important to you? Well, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of very good ones and I, I was fortunate, you know, 
when you're teaching music, it's it's there's so much that has to be intuitive, but you have to have all the technical skills to make 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 music happen. And um, you know, teachers, I, I've been fortunate with working with teachers that are just wonderful first class musicians, but then also um, thoughtful and kind and patient and all the things that great teachers are. Um, you know, regardless of what they're teaching. So, so the person who came to mind when you asked me this question is um, Dr. Michael Cordovana, and he's no longer with us, but he was one of my first teachers when I went away to college. And he was a phenomenal, phenomenal musician, worked with some of the greatest opera singers in the world um, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, you know, he worked almost 40 years at the Dallas Opera, um, and he was at Catholic University, head of the voice program when I got there. Um, and, you know, he taught me so much, but a couple of things that stick out is that, you know, as a singer, you have to love your voice. And if you don't love it, then the audience isn't going to love it. And mm. you have to find your own voice. You can't try to imitate people. Um, you know, regardless of how good they are, you just have to, to make your voices the most beautiful thing that you can. Um, so that's something that even now when I sing that, that's, you know, you know, even for fun, that that's something that, that, that I think about a lot. Um, and he just took so much time and care, you know, not only with me, but a lot of young singers when, you know, it can go a lot of different ways, um, when you're just starting out. And, you know, we would listen to recordings together and, you know, he would dissect them and say, here's here's what I like about this. Here's what I like about that. Um, and and it was just, you know, to, to get, have access to somebody with so much knowledge was really um, a privilege. And, you know, the great thing, and we always just called him Doc because he was Doc. And, um, you know, the, the great thing about Doc is that he, he was also just brutally honest, too. <laughs> um, and I remember one time I was singing something and, um, and he was, he was coaching me. So the accompanist was playing and he was listening and we finished it. And, and I have to say, I'm sure I'm not the only person who he said this to, but we would finish it and he'd say, that was great, Booby, but maybe this, let's do it again. And this time let's sing it how Puccini wrote it. Um, so, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, 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 that really sums up Doc in a nutshell and, uh, and he, he was very influential to me and I know, um, a lot, you know, countless musicians that he worked with over his years. So, uh, he was a good one. He was one of the good ones. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great story. And, uh, uh, and it's great that you have you know, that anecdote and, you know, and many others that you can, uh, you know, take with you for the rest of your life. And, you know, that's the power of teaching, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so tell us, what did we listen to this week? It was your choice. Yes, we listened to Erica Badu's debut album called Baduism. And for this week, I think I'm going to give our listeners, uh, and, and indeed ourselves, um, a little bit more uh, context and history than we have in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that I'm doing that is I think that both we and our current audience 
at least had some familiarity with the previous albums that we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into this one, I only had a very small amount of knowledge about Erica Badu. And uh, I believe you told me you had uh, next to none. Is that correct? That is accurate. Yes, I am. I am ashamed because <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah. So did you know anything? What did you know before we uh, begin um, or before we decided to listen to this one? Yeah, I knew I, I knew the very, very basic, you know, I, I knew the name. Um, I'm sure I've seen her, you know, I think this this one came out in the mid 90s, right? Late 90s, somewhere in there. 90s, 97, 97. So I'm sure I saw her on MTV, um, you know, in that time frame. Um, but if you asked me to name one of her songs before we did this podcast, I, I don't think I could have done it. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's cool that we're we're looking at something that's you know that's really fresh for both of us. Um, so just a couple of little you know kind of facts about this album. Um, and to give it a little bit of uh, context, as we said, it's a part of what's known as the uh, neo-soul mu- movement of the 1990s. Um, neo-soul, I think, can be described as an R&B or hip-hop subgenre. Uh, it differentiates itself from mainstream or conventional R&B by being a bit more experimental with the sounds and uh, borrowing from a number of different genres, including jazz and funk, uh, electronic music. Um, and the lyrical themes are different from mainstream R&B as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more um, political and, and socially conscious or spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of been my impression. And um, some other artists that might fit into that category uh, just to give people an idea, would be um, Jill Scott, uh, D'Angelo, mm-hmm. Maxwell, and perhaps most notably Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so much like Erica Badu, those are artists that I had heard of, maybe heard a song or two, mm-hmm. um, but don't really know that well. Um, and as far as the Neo Soul label, um, I don't know that these artists really identify with that label. I, I think it's more of a a music journalist thing than anything else. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and kind of in general, I don't know if parsing things down into musical subgenres is really all that helpful, but it's kind of a part of of the history of this album and kind of gives us a, a starting point. So, you know, uh, there you go. Um, sure. But since you were you were the one who was, you know, basically almost completely uninitiated. Um, I'd like to uh, hear a little bit about your first impressions. Sure, sure. So I, I, I thought it was great. I, I really did like like the music a lot. And and it, it's not something I typically listen to or had really listened to much in the past. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it a lot. And, um, you know, it, it is her debut album. And so I think... And and I don't know if you thought the same thing that, you know, when when artists produce a debut album, you think, well, they've had their whole life to write all these songs. Right. And I think that um, 
you know, listening to this, all, all the songs are really polished, really put together well. Um, I'm sure she had help in the studio with the instrumentation and some of the vocal arranging. But I, I thought that there, like, I, I didn't think there was one piece on this album that was like, eh, they just kind of threw that one together and they just need mm -hmm. to finish up the album. You know, I think it was all really well thought out. And, you know, going back to um, my, my, the intro where I was talking about, you know, a music teacher who had an influence on me and him telling me, you know, you have to love your own voice. I think Erica Badu loves her own voice and as she right. should. And it's, it's totally her. And she, it's so free and easy and uh, she can maneuver it so well. It's almost like a little toy that she has and she can do all these mm. nice fun tricks with it. Um, and, and I thought that was really fun. And then the lyric writing, you know, especially some of the, the rhyming, like maybe she did it that way the first time, but I would think that it was polished over time, you know, with several rewrites. Like, you know, I can just see like a journal with scribbles and adjustments to, to some of the lyric writing um, because, because the way it rhymes, the way it flows, it, it really is poetry. Um, mm -hmm. And... And I think that that paired with this unique sound, um, you know, it's in a lot of in a, in a lot of songs, it's as simple as this like tight little jazz trio, you know, just with a double bass, uh, somebody on percussion being really understated but effective, and a, a cool piano riff, um, and all those things together with her voice really fit well together. Um, so, so those are those were my initial thoughts. What, what did you think? Yeah, I I, um, I agree with a lot of that. Um, you know, my first impressions were were very positive, and um, I, I agree with that uh, with your assessment that it's that it sounds very polished. I think uh, sometimes, not all the time, but many times with debut albums, um, because you're uh, because the the creators of the album are coming into it with so much material, mm -hmm. there's a tendency or an impulse to, you know, throw everything in the kitchen sink mm -hmm. in there, and mm -hmm. you kind of you know lose focus a little bit. And I think one of the most appealing things about the album as a whole is that it's pretty laser focused mm -hmm. uh, as far as the 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 sound aesthetic. And I kind of thought of it as like all the songs are like water in the same river or something like it all just it yeah. all just uh, uh, flows together um, really nicely. Um, and everything kind of uh, settles into this mid tempo groove that makes it very easy to listen to. Um, and, uh, you know, and I do like, um, you know, kind of that, you know, I, I kind of dislike the word minimal, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or minimalist uh, approach. Um, um, but that's kind of what it is. You know, maybe a better word is, is, is restrained, mm -hmm. um, you know, because creating something like this, it's all about choices, mm -hmm. you know, and you can choose to, again, <laughs> throw everything in there yeah, yeah, yeah um and that doesn't always serve 
the songs. Um, but yeah, everything is just, you know, drums or a drum machine. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I can't differentiate, mm -hmm. um, you know, the vocals, some harmonies, um, some really nice keyboard work. There was something about that that I really liked, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and bass and, you know, some other instrumentation here and there and some in some different tracks and uh, yeah, there's one notable exception that we'll get to later that I thought was pretty cool um, oh, okay that, right. that put in that put put in more instrumentation than I think any other piece on on the album but um but yeah most of it is it, it like you said it's it's restrained um and and it does all fit together and even on you know I listened through it once really closely and then I listened to it again and was just kind of letting it play and to your point you know each track kind of flows into itself and they're different um but if you're really not paying close attention you you might not notice like oh i'm on to the next track you know right and you know it's sometimes you feel that way in in orchestra music because you just go from one movement to the next movement and just kind of continues and it all fits mm -hmm. together um and so even though i'm sure she wrote these pieces independently obviously to your what what you were just saying is you know it, it was it's all thoughtful choices and um there's definitely a progression and uh to 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 the album and how all these tracks fit together yeah exactly and um you know and and i was also um uh impressed with her vocal work um it reminds me of uh some some jazz singers that that I like 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 Sarah Vaughn or or Billie Holiday mm -hmm. and in some uh in some of the the tracks you know it, it actually sounds like her voice is another instrument mm -hmm. and and it is of course <laughs> you know vocals right. are an instrument but what I mean is it takes on the quality of like a trumpet or some other kind of brass instrument just her tone just her tone quality and um uh the her phrasing and, and so on and it's just um and i think you you were exactly right when you said like she's just she's playing mm -hmm. you know and um uh yeah and 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 it's just it's a great voice i mean it, it really is um were there any tracks that kind of stood out to you that uh you know that you that you really liked um yeah th there were there were two in particular and um and and they happen to be two two that i i couldn't quite decide which which was my favorite one um of, of the whole album but Four Leaf Clover is fun. Like that, mm -hmm. that walking left hand on, on the piano, that riff is just cool. And yeah, you yeah. do it all day. Um, and that I think is probably the most poppy sounding song on the album. And, you know, I, I would be curious to see if that had as much, uh, you know, commercial success as any of the others, because I definitely hear that playing on the radio, right? Um, yeah, it's and definitely an earworm. Yeah, definitely an earworm. And and it has that like '90s girl group sound to it, mm -hmm. uh, with with the background vocals, um, 
and then with um, Erica Badu kind of riffing over it. Um, and and that, that's really where I think that idea of like, oh, I'm just going to play with my voice a little bit because I have the backup singers that are kind of propelling the song forward with, with the chorus and I can kind of do whatever I want above that. And, um, and, it, and it works. It works really well because, you know, because she's so talented. Um, and this one definitely had, I thought, much more orchestration. I think there's, there's a string sound in there um, I don't think it's it's um, like a string orchestra. It might be done with some kind of synth or something like that. Um, I think it's marimba is in there um, or, or, or some kind of instrument like that. And again, that, that's just kind of like a cool, um, cool sound, you know, when you put it all together. So I really like that one. And then you're, you're going to have to forgive me, but... Uh, next lifetime so I, I love this piece and I, I thought it was great and uh, i'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant because this is basically like an opera aria because <laughs> go for it you start Let's hear it. and she's like they have like that back and forth dialogue right an opera we call that recitative and it's basically like like quick almost patter song and it's really like following the cadence of the language, usually Italian or French. Um, and it kind of is used by composers to move the action along. So you can explain a lot quickly to get to the next kind of showpiece, which is the aria, right? Like the big solo. And then once you get to it, that the structure of that song is very much like um, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and there's repetition. But then there's variation on the repetition. And that's where you get Erica, again, you know, having this incredible, incredible voice where she can do melismatic singing, which is basically staying on one syllable with a lot of different notes. So in pop music, it's just like people doing riffs, which people do all the time. But that, that tradition of singing really started in the bel canto era where, you know, at a certain point, the words were just like, just of something that had a vowel so that the singer could showcase their voice and they would just sing a vowel and mm -hmm. they sing, you know, in some pieces, like really fast coloratura, they're singing probably, I don't know, 120 notes on one vowel and then taking a breath and then doing it again. And though it's not to that extent in this, I could, I, you know, that, that is what I, I thought of. Um, and the, the theme of the song, it's about, unrequited love it's a love triangle now i'm not going to tell you um you know the percentage of operas that are centered on a love triangle but there's a lot of them <laughs> yeah. it's a very common theme and i think it's a common theme for a reason because i think uh, you know almost anybody can identify with you know falling in love with somebody and not having that love reciprocated and i mean that's really what this song is about. You know, she's already, she's already in a situation. I, I forget exactly what the lyric choice is, but. Um, that's what she's, well, I mean, that's what she says in the spoken part. She says, yeah. you know, I like you, but I have this situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so for all those reasons, you know, I, I really, I really, I, I like that piece a lot. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So. Um, uh to, con to continue on that, uh, you know, as far as favorite pieces, 
Yeah, I, um, sh- I should have set you up for that. <laughs> that that's yeah. right. What was your favorite piece on, oh, on, on the album? Well, Joe, let me tell you. Um, my favorite piece was um, was certainly mm-hmm. um, uh, the the first one. So there's two different versions of that mm-hmm. uh, on the album, um, but my favorite one is the first one, mm-hmm. and it just like. It comes in uh, with this like killer stand-up bass that mm-hmm. um, continues throughout the song, uh, and then you've got like this uh, a, a muted trumpet, sort of um, you know adding some textures in the background, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's interesting that you have the muted trumpet in the background because I feel like. Erica Badu's voice is kind of the the lead trumpet in that right, right. piece, right? Um, and just um, her phrasing, and uh, you know, every time a theme, you know, uh, comes back around, she sings it just a little bit differently, mm-hmm. um, and you know, sings it in a varied way that kind of holds your interest as you're as you have like the same um you know groove that's happening um through the entire song right right um and then at the end of the song uh in the last 30 seconds or so she sustains uh like a high belt mm-hmm. which she i don't think she does anywhere else on the album yeah, yeah, um, no, I think you're right because I think you know a lot of the singing is like in a very comfortable range for her, and it's just you know easy for her to do. And and I do remember hearing that part of it where it was like, oh, like that, like you really are gonna go for it at the end of this one, um, right? Yeah, and and it, and it works. I mean, it works for for that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, you know, and I think she is staying in a certain register so that she can, uh, you know, deliver the words Mm -hmm. to you because that poetry is, is, is important. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, just for that one, she's just showing off a little bit, which I think is great. It's fine. Um, and also toward the end of the song, you get these great, um, harmonies, um, like these kind of, uh, I mean, you know more about theory than I do, but it sounds like there's sort of like jazzy chords um, yeah, with the background I, singers. Yeah, I didn't know exactly what it was, but it sounded like 11th or 13th chords, which right. which if you don't like, it's kind of like a mush on the keyboard because it's like, you know, <laughs> 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, thir- 11, 13. So it's like, you know, it, 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 it can be a lot and, you know, it has that dissonant sound, which is, I think, you know it definitely serves this song well and and when it's used correctly it's 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 so cool yeah it was it was very cool and to and to end the song with like a with you know kind of a punch on that is Mm -hmm. uh what was great um and you know we were we were kind of talking you know before this you know preparing ourselves to to record Mm -hmm. and we both kind of said you know we don't have any big complaints about this, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, the, 
the the one thing and 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 it's on a couple of tracks um which it, it's an i'm pretty sure it's an effect i mean i i told you before so i you know my good headphones they they, they did not they did not make it through the week, so I was listening to it on some other headphones. But and mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think on sometimes or drama, it's like this pseudo like record scratch uh, kind of effect that's overlaid. Mm -hmm. D did you hear that as well, or is that just me and my crappy headphones? <laughs> um, you know, it's probably not your imagination, but I, um, but for whatever reason, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that, um, but it's going to make me want to go back and, and listen to it to yeah, see it, if I can. But it, go it, ahead. Yeah, it's not it's not um, it's not a huge thing, but it did distract me a little bit, and I was just thought, eh, I don't I don't think you need that. Um, so so I don't know what the the thought process was to to doing that, but um, but to me it just seemed unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but that, that was like my one sort of little, little nit to pick, um, because, because I, I didn't think there was one sort of lackluster track, uh, on the album. And, and I think you agree with that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, like you, I have some very minor quibbles. Uh, you know, I, I guess it was kind of looking, you know, maybe just looking for something that, you know, I thought could be improved, you know. Um, and I'm going to preface this by saying, like, I don't think these things, um, whether they're there or not really changed my opinion very much. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a personal, I don't know, just a personal quibble or nitpick, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, right. I think that every once in a while, I kind of wished for a, a little bit more dynamism, mm -hmm. um, which I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but because before I talked about, you know, how focused it was and its aesthetic and mm. what a clear vision it, it has and, and mm. all of that is true. Um, but sometimes I wish for, you know, just a little bit more variety in, in maybe tempo or intensity or instrumentation or something like that. Um, the, the little kind of, interlude tracks that maybe lasted for like 30 seconds a minute or a minute mm -hmm. um i don't think that they were necessary but oh, again I, I like those i thought those oh you fun. do okay yeah, yeah, yeah. all right yeah, yeah that's... I, mean, I, I thought the afro one was particularly fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you gotta pick your afro it's flat on one side which i mean again i wasn't there i don't know but like it's quite possible that she was just like busting somebody's chops in the studio and then it's like let's just lay it down yeah sure yeah i mean um, sometimes those spontaneous moments create create fun things um but, I, think, but I, I and i thought and 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 again it's to a credit to erica badu and her choices that especially some of the ones that are more scatty so you think of like jazz scats but it's they're short so maybe it's paying homage to that um because i think obviously she was influenced by a lot of that style of music um mm -hmm. and you know not going you know i'm gonna do like this whole um whole deep dive into the style on this album like that's not what i'm trying to do but i still want to honor it in some way i thought that that was you know kind of a quick little 
clever way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I only have one last uh, very small uh, uh, complaint. Mm-hmm. And um, now I did ask you to listen to a track mm-hmm. that was not on the album. And did you listen to it? I did. Yeah, I did. All right. So that track is Tyrone. Yes. Which is arguably um, for someone who maybe hasn't followed her her career that closely, her most famous song. Of course. <laughs> and it's from that era. Mm-hmm. It appears on on a live album that she released six months after this. Mm-hmm. Um, Implying she had it in the can. It was ready to go whenever she wanted it. I mean, quite quite possibly. And um, I was like, I just assumed it was on this record. And so I was like, <laughs> where's Tyrone? <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, uh, Tyrone's a great song. It's it's funny, it's satirical, it's smart, it's, you know, it's got social commentary, and it's, um, you know, and it's a nice, tidy, you know, two and a half minutes, and, Mm. and I think that would have been a great way to end the album. Mm -hmm. I think the, I think it kind of ends in, in a little bit of an anticlimactic way. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a second version of, of, of Certainly, which, um, you know, you, which you, someone could argue that I, that it's just as good as the the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the first one better. It's just my personal taste. Sure, sure. Um, but by that point, you've you have heard that song already, mm-hmm. and if you're listening to it front to back, I think it doesn't necessarily have the impact that that it should. Yeah, uh, and then you go into the outro, and then you're done. So. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see Tyrone make an appearance. <laughs> My suggestion would be that it be the the finale, but far be it from me to, yeah, to I criticize think, her. Well, well um, in your in your research, I mean, this album obviously you know put Erica Badu on the map and in the zeitgeist. Do you know how well it did commercially? Were you able to find that or? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and frankly, I mean, not to date us, but you were probably definitely more in tune with like music culture at this time like 1997 i'm sure you're reading rolling stone every two weeks front to front to front to back right (laughs) yeah i mean that was probably right around the time that i started my uh rolling stone subscription uh uh which i no longer have but um yeah well it's I actually did look at that. I looked at that right before we started recording. So mm-hmm. as of 2017, mm-hmm. it sold almost 3 million. Okay. Um, you know, what that means after people started using streaming as their main way to get music. I, you know, I don't know what that means, but it's still a, yeah, I mean, it's still an impressive number. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's millions and millions of records. That's a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so any, um, any closing thoughts on this? Any, any, anything else you want to, you want to say? No, I think, um, you know, this is a cool album. I, I think there are a handful of tracks that maybe I would throw into a playlist at some point. Um, I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot as we go through some (laughs) of these albums. Um, because a lot of them are, are, um, 
are known for a reason. Um, but I, I think I will, I mean, she actually, because I, mean, I did a bit more research than I usually do when, when you're kind of driving the car, but she came out with a handful more albums, but she hasn't released anything in quite some time. Um, and so I might explore some of the, her other albums as well, um, just to see kind of what happens as her in her evolution as an artist, because I think that, you know, this one is really, a, you know, it's very clear to your to your earlier points about, you know, she had a vision, she was making choices and um, it's very distinct and and really just just wonderful. So um, so I, I think I, I might explore a little bit more of her uh, discography to um, to, to see what else is out there. But yeah, this was a fun one. Um, and it was definitely very new to me, which is kind of the whole point of this, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, I would definitely listen to this again as well. Um, uh, as uh, listeners may or may not know, um, you know, my, my education is in the visual arts, and I still do produce drawings and paintings. And I'm usually looking for something, uh, something like this that has a kind of like ambient uh, quality or, right. or or something with, with a groove that, you know, sets the mood for me to kind of just, um, you know, focus on what I'm on, on what I'm doing. And uh, I think this would be perfect for that. So I could see myself listening to that as I'm as I'm drawing or painting for sure. Yeah, that 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 makes a ton of sense. I, I totally get that. Cool. So um, so that's it for Erica Badu and Baduism. And um, it's Joe's pick for next time. So what are we going to be listening to, Joe? So we're going to hop into the time machine and do something a little bit uh, more contemporary um, and take a dive into Bruno Mars's 2012 album, Unorthodox Jukebox. So... Um, I'm looking forward to that one. You are skeptical, and we'll see where we end up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a little skeptical, and um, you know the truth is uh, I haven't listened too closely to to too much uh, you know relatively contemporary uh, pop. So um, you know I'm not even really sure you know what to expect, but um, uh, you know whatever. Whatever my opinion ends up being, I'm sure we'll have fun with that next week. And um, uh, I guess that's it for, for us for now. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. All right. See you later. Thanks for listening, friends. To connect with us and join the conversation, you can follow us on both Instagram and Twitter at Brothers in Song. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. Until next time, listen to some new music. You may surprise yourself.